you know, pastors and ministry leaders are some of the hardest working people in the world, and they have the high rate of burnout to prove it. As a leader, if you aren't operating at peak efficiency and taking care of yourself, it's bound to catch up with you in a big way. It's a truth Jason Young learned the hard way. Today, our guest, a former pastor, now serves as a leadership coach for churches and for businesses, and he's the co-author of Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright. Jason, welcome to the Morning Conversation. Thank you. So good to be here. Yeah, very excited to talk to you about the latest book that you co-wrote. First, I want to know about like a doctorate in hospitality. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, for real. How do you create experiences that Hmm. really invites people to come back? It was a fun journey. Learned a lot, as you would hope one would. So, but yep, it's true. I mean, obviously, biblically, they talk about being hospitable, right? That's a biblical value. So that's cool. Well, and when you think about it, I mean, we do it in our homes and in our churches, but one of the aspects we often don't think about is how can an individual leader create hospitable Mm -hmm. moments that invite that person to want to come back and be with you? Mm -hmm. Wow. So not just a church and not just a, a company or an experience, but to actually want to be with you. That's awesome. Well, Jason, we are here this morning to talk about specifically a new book that you wrote called Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright, How to Thrive in Ministry for the Long Haul. And, uh, you know, as I even heard that title right off the bat, I remember hearing a a statement that originally resonated with me and then I reversed it later. But, Uh. you know, it was, I'd rather burn out than rust out, you know, and I heard that first. I was like, yeah, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Then thankfully, not too many years later, I heard another guy. He said, you know, some people say I'd rather burn out than rust out. But you know what? Whether you burn out or you rust out, either way, you're out out and God doesn't want you out. You know, there are a lot of books on how to recover from it. I don't know that there are a lot of books on how to prevent it. This book is not just about how to prevent it, but there's actually more of a focus of, is there a way that we can help you burn brightly? And as a part of that is preventing burnout. That doesn't devalue the work that somebody does in a church is difficult, stressful, exhausting. We're not saying that those things don't exist. I've experienced all of those things. What we're saying is, yes, those will exist, but having a plan in place to protect yourself can actually help you bounce back from those so you don't find yourself Mm -hmm. wandering into this world of burnout. And some of the things we talk about are related to maybe rhythms and routines, but some of them actually might have to do with the peace or lack of it in your life, maybe hurts that are still finding their way to your doorstep and you still answer the door and it still takes everything you've got. You know, Jason, a number of years ago, I, re- I remember listening to uh, just a speaker and he was talking about just a hard and he gave a delineation between two different types of hard that I've found very helpful. I've shared quite a bit. And he talked about how some things are doable hard. Like, and you were just saying a few moments ago, it isn't like, you know, we're talking about this is going to be easy because it's not going to be easy, right? right? So life isn't easy. You know, working hard isn't easy. Putting yourself at risk with people isn't easy, but is it doable hard or is it destructive hard? And I thought, man, that's a great way to kind of think about this, right? I would love to hear your thoughts on when would a leader begin to know that uh, this is moving from doable hard to destructive hard? What? How can they tell that burnout might be at their doorstep if they're not careful? I think we think, and I put myself in this category, we often think that we are good enough mm to identify those moments in ourselves, what I'm convinced of is we're not. 
And we have to do a better job of creating a space of invitation, of inviting people into our world that uh, it's safe, that they can speak truth, they can ask us hard questions, and we can ask them, you know, because if we don't create a space of invitation, then the result is we create this space of isolation. And then we wonder, why are we alone? Hmm. And for many of us, isolation is really self-imposed because we haven't done the hard work that is doable of building the right people into our lives and allowing them to ask us those hard questions. So we don't ever end up in the world of burnout and all of that like overnight. It's a drift. Mm -hmm. And those uh, that don't go into that space usually have great voices that can give feedback, that can ask hard questions, and that that particular leader is doing the hard work themselves of, you know, what are the things that actually prevent me from being an effective leader? Because it could be, could be, not always, but could be the very thing that leads me down to burnout. So, Jason, we were talking about kind of how do we know that we're heading into to burnout? I'd love to hear what are some of the causes? Because, you know, because again, we were talking earlier this morning, which I love this whole part of the thesis of this book is, hey, let's not just keep you from burning out. Let's get you thriving, right? So if we're going to thrive, one of the ways that we need to kind of navigate is to be aware of the things that can cause that exhaustion as leaders. So what are some of those things that we just need to be aware of? Yeah, let me first say this. At don't burn out, burn bright there's actually a free leadership health assessment hmm. and it's 35 questions. Doesn't take you very long, but what it does at the very end, the result is it literally gives you one thing hmm. that might very well be the thing that is contributing most to pulling you into the space of burnout. So Love don't that. burn out burnbright.com free assessment, helpful uh, there. Some of the things that uh, could show up is for some people, they struggle with not having a, they have this idea of a perfect team. When the team doesn't, isn't perfect or do exactly what you think, or you become this driver, this almost leader of tyranny. And you don't want, you say you want excellence, but really you want perfection. And then you want people to be perfect anyways. And what happens is you can start to show up in a way that's unhealthy. You can start demonstrating it control in an unhealthy way. So like it, it could show up like that. You may begin to find yourself entangled in things. It could be a vice, you know, could be an addiction. It could be, I see this one a lot. People are addicted to motion. Mm. Like if I'm not moving and doing and I'm not producing, then I'm not leading. I'm not doing good enough. And I think that we can get easily entangled. If I were to, you know, give maybe one more that I often see maybe more than any is probably past hurts and I and maybe even as deep as traumas. And I think what happens is we we think we have gotten over those. The problem is we never actually name them. And if you can't name it, you can't tame it. And if you can't tame it, then it's going to run wild in your life at some point for the rest of your life. Mm, wow. And I think I see this showing up, sucking life and energy out, and then you get some momentum, sucking life and energy out. And it's this, it's just this cyclical experience. And so I think these things that can show up are things that um, when worked on can actually begin to help you thrive versus taking life from you. I've been, uh, you know, full-time into vocational ministry since I graduated from college. It's not unusual for me to have interactions that really show that, 
in the midst of giving out, people in ministry could not make sure that they're filling up. So you, one of the things you talk about as another one of the potential things that leads to burnout potentially is spiritual shallowness. I thought that was a great way of kind of articulating that. Let me shoot straight with you. There were seasons in ministry on a church staff, and I might not have prayed really, or maybe even had really a deep time alone with the Lord on too many occasions. That's not okay. I was reminded that the depth that you've established with the Lord and the depth you're contributing to as it continues to go deeper correlates with uh, potentially with effectiveness. And so the Lord began to really speak to me about, you know, spiritual shallowness because I was seeing shallow results. And I blamed it on leadership, my own leadership. I wasn't looking at it from a spiritual perspective. But if you'll read this chapter, it's really one of the shortest. We didn't have anything really new to say. We know what to do. We just need to do it. So it's not about learning something new. It's about implementing the discipline to do what we already know to do. Paul says, I buffet my body and make it my slave. Right. So, I mean, that's that's part of the key to really a vibrant Christian life and ministry life is we got to get ourselves in control and to be able to do the things and execute the things that we know we need to do. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Right. What I think could be happening is we are more interested in consuming content that we hope makes us a better leader versus listening to the voice of the Lord to make us a better follower. And I think in my own life, sometimes that has gotten off kilter and I have felt the effects of it. If I was reading your book, I would go back and read that again. So say that again. We consume content to be a better leader when we should be listening to the voice of God more to become a better follower. I love it. And that is not cliche. Some of you are like, oh, that's a, a Jesus juke. It's not. I have done it and nothing wrong with Books. I mean, I'm an author. I read all the time too. Like I listen to podcasts sometimes, but I think sometimes it's as if it's validating something about our leadership if we're doing it. And I think sometimes, what if I took a break from podcasts? What if I took a break from reading other books? And I just dialed in again. Some people say, well, the Lord speaks to me through those books. Great. Fantastic. But I also think sometimes we we are consumers of information. And I actually think where it shows up potentially on the negative side is it actually creates more paralysis in our decision because we think the next podcast or book might help us make a better decision versus I already know enough. And if I'm depending on the podcast or the book to make the decision and not the really the voice of the Lord, I don't know. Maybe a little problem. Jason, you mentioned a little bit earlier, there's a difference between exhaustion and burnout. We'd love to hear the difference between the two. Yeah, I think from a, just a kind of a simplified perspective, think of exhaustion. Think of exhaustion like you feel a bit overwhelmed. It's a particular season. But if you could change your calendar a little bit, if you could change your diet a little bit, maybe if you could change your workout schedule a little bit. In other words, if you could change a few dials or levers then you you can bounce back. You can get that energy back, your momentum's back, Like, you, but you got to change a few things. Burnout is more of a psychological state that does show up, you know, in the physiology aspect of things, but it's, it's an overwhelming feeling for duration that you, you can't get out of and you begin to question your worth. You begin to question the things that you do. And so it kind of this sucks you into this deep vortex that it's not about calendar switching. It's not about like adjusting this and that. It's a it's a deeper thing. It's a bigger thing. It requires more effort to come back. That's actually the impetus. It's easier 
easier to prevent it than it is to recover from it. So with that, with that said, and talking about those two words, language tells us, language informs us how to behave. So if you're listening right now, and maybe you've used the word burned out, maybe you're showing up and acting that way and you don't even know it versus maybe exhaustion is look at your schedule, put 10 minutes between meetings. Don't work so late. Take your day off. Use your vacation. Don't answer every call. Like If you can adjust these things, spend more time with your family, spend time with a friend, do a hobby. You know, if you can adjust these things and you begin to find yourself returning energy and joy and peace, there's probably you're probably exhausted. Right. Go to bed. OK, if you're burned out, that's a place that just going to bed, changing your calendar, you're not going to bounce back. You need some deeper help. And that's OK. Nothing wrong with you. It's OK. But you got to do the harder work. And so the road to recovery, if you will, is a little bit longer. And exhaustion is a part of that. But it's also something a lot deeper that's going to re- require more work. You know, Jason, over the years, I've heard various people talk about the types of relationships that, that we need to have. You mentioned earlier that uh, we need to kind of be aware of that and the impact that it would have. Some people would say, you know, everyone should have a Timothy, someone that they're investing in. Someone should always have a Paul, someone who's investing in them. So you should always have a Barnabas, someone who's encouraging you. You should always have a Nathan, someone who's speaking prophetically into your life, you know. But uh, so I've heard like four or five. You have like 11. Where did those 11 come from? I think of my own experience. Experience. I am really a an accumulation or a product of the accumulation of relationships. And I think these types of people have shown up in my life or I've sought them. And I, of course, I didn't know what I was doing in the meantime. In fact, I call it my table of influence. I'm inviting people to this table to influence my life because I know at some point in the future aspect of my life, I want to be invited to the table of other people to influence them. And let me just say this. You're not going to need all 11 at the same time, for sure. Is there one of the types that you would say is the most commonly and most long-term probably needed? So, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that question. I would probably say, yeah, and this is almost going to be cliche, but there's a reason for it. In the 11 types, there's one in there. It's called a friend. And you say, well, how is that a big deal? A friend is somebody who can love me and challenge me but not judge me. And so it's a safe place for me to be real. And I think a lot of times we don't know where those places are. And so the other the other driver for that is this. When I think about the word joy and thriving, one of the ways to define joy is that somebody else likes to be with me. And I think when you look at that particular person, a friend, that style in the 11, if somebody likes to be with me, it brings this joy. And when joy is brought, it elevates the possibility to thrive. So you talk about boundaries in the book. And again, I can just picture so many of us in ministry struggling with that, uh, not conceptually. It makes sense, but yet we feel so obligated to people that we don't set those boundaries. You know, kind of as we end our time today, I guess I would love to hear just some final thoughts on boundaries and why they're important and how to kind of begin to engage those in our lives and ministries. Think about the life of Jesus. He had this ability to be insanely present with people. And he had this insanely amazing way to pull away. But I think that I shouldn't do that because I'm different. And it's the craziest thought. And, And sometimes I think consciously we're like, well, that does make sense. Why do I do that? But I think it's a driver for different reasons. We don't have time to unpack it at all. But for some, it feeds something inside of them that they need. Maybe there's something that they didn't get. And so the to be needed does something. Um, 
there's an element of control. There's a fear of missing out. There's all these different, you know, reasons. So I think putting boundaries into place and we define boundary actually a little bit different than the normal way. Typically I've heard boundaries like kind of putting up this wall, you know, you stay over there and I'll stay over here. And no, I'm not doing that. So it's a little bit kind of hard. In the book, we talk about boundaries. Like it's like a gate that could swing either way because in seasons of life, the boundaries might actually change. It just feels different to define it differently. And so establishing healthy relational boundaries may look like time, your calendar, you know, your yeses and your noes, and not feeling guilty about it. Easier said than done. I wish we had more time to unpack this, but I think in order for you to be the best version of you, who the Lord wants you to be, giving yourself permission to establish healthy relational boundaries, because if Jesus needed to pull away in my humanity, I probably need to do the same and even more so than he did. So I think figuring out why do I always feel like I need to be available? Is it a system thing? I need to set up a different system. You know, is that the boundary? Is the boundary something inside of me? I'm doing this because I'm feeding something inside of me. You know, is it with a particular person? Is it a timing thing? Because again, you only have so much yes and no. And I also think about our family, like my family and my two kids, like nobody, no telling how many times I told other people yes. And I've told them no. Now, will that happen at times? Yes, but it doesn't happen, have to happen a lot of the time. And a lot of times we'll blame that on ministry. Well, guess what? So will your wife and kids. And that's unfair. So it's like, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. But what do I need to do to make it any different? Well, Jason, this has been really good. You've given us a lot to think about when it comes to how we serve the Lord and how we balance our lives. We would love to have you back sometime to dig into this some more and some other topics that I know you can cover. Thanks for spending this morning with us. Anytime. 